Ephesians chapter 3, if you will, this morning. Uh, we're going to, uh, the title of this message is You in 2022. See, I got another rhymer, okay? And uh, again, just really, I wanted to spend the, the, this month just kind of reminding us of, of some things and reminding us of who we are and what we're doing. And so we talked about Paul and priorities and having goals and things that are happening like that. And then last week we talked about the importance of the local assembly here and, and remembering that issue about the, the importance of a local assembly. And, and I, I, we had the men's fellowship yesterday and we were talking about the internet and so forth. And the internet's a viable component of ministry, but it is not the ministry. The ministry is right here. We could lose the internet tomorrow, but this we'll never lose right here. And what happens is, is too often time, grace believers get to thinking that everything sits over here in the internet world, okay? And it isn't. Ministry is here. I was just talking to one of the brothers, and he's like, you know, you can watch it online, but there's nothing like having conversations with people. And because then you get to rub elbows, you get to hear people's what's going on. I said it last week, that passage in Romans 12, we rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. The only way you know to rejoice and to weep is you've seen them, you've talked to them, you've had that interaction. And so this morning, I want to remind us, uh, I want to remind us of you and about you and, and how you were designed, were created to operate and to work and to function. And in doing that, and again, we've studied this out in great detail uh, years ago, you know, and, and all the playlists and everything on the YouTube, and see, YouTube, there you go. You know, I'm not against the Internet. I'm against it being the only avenue of ministry. Ministry in the Scripture is designed to be right here in a local assembly with leadership in place and everybody in their roles doing and functioning together to do what? To be the pillar and the ground of the truth. Yesterday, after uh, we were done, we got started at 9. We didn't get done till 11. I taught for two hours. That's what we do on, on the men's fellowship time, okay? When we come out, the house across the way, there's for sale. You see that? They had an open house. My wife? Okay. Yeah, the man in the in the closet. Okay, how's that? Better? You can hear it. Hear me, right? Yeah, how's that? Better? You can hear me now? You can hear me then? Okay, Ephesians 3. So we've been, again, I just want to remind us about you, how you were created, how you're designed to think, your makeup, who you are. And, again, we've done this in the past, and as I was saying, I'm not against Internet or, any, or YouTube, Facebook, any of that. 
It's just not to be the primary source and the primary push. It's to be used as a, as a you know, it used to say, we'll, we'll do it by leaflet, leaflet, letter, okay, radio, tracks. You do it, however, to get the message out because what are we? We are the pillar and the ground of the truth. The house across the way was for sale. People were out and about. Every, we all leave, and then all of a sudden, there, I mean, there was just people everywhere going through that house across the way. And, uh, you know, it's like, so what do they see? Well, they see a church building. Okay, so what is that? What kind of neighbor are they? Well, then they, on the uh, billboard out there, the monument sign is the website. What can they do? They can go to the website. What's on our homepage? I don't know if you've been to our homepage lately. It's everything about who we are. I, we hide nothing. Nothing is going to be done dishonestly. Here's who we are. Here's what we do. And off we go. Okay? Well, how do you, how do you, how are you designed to work, to function, and to be? If you look at Ephesians 3, verse 16, uh, again, we're just kind of jumping in here. Uh, in, in Ephesians 3, 16, uh, I, was, I read an article years ago. Do you know what the most, the book that's published the most that is read the least? The owner's manual of a vehicle. Not okay. It's the most published book that's read the least. Your Bible is the most published book that's read a little bit more than the owner's manual, okay, of a vehicle. So when you think about that, what do you do when you have an issue with your car? You go to the owner's manual. Well, you go to the owner's manual. They go the mechanic goes to the owner's manual. The mechanic goes to the forums. You can go and do the same thing. So when we think about how you're working, how you function, how you're made up, Ephesians 3, verse 16, Paul talking here about uh, uh, praying to the Father and how he was to pray, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner man. So there's an issue here about who you are. The spirit strengthens He's working. He's working according to the riches of his grace. He's working in your inner man. The Spirit doesn't work on you. He works in you. Come over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But just kind of get some foundation here. 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse 16. When we think about you and I and how we're created and how we're designed to function, we got a new year, 2022. Is it going to be worse than 21 or is it going to be better than 21? You know what? You'll never know until you get to 23 and you look back. Because in the moment, in going through it, you're going to take in information, you're going to hear things, you're going to make decisions in life, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and you'll never know the consequences until after the fact is over, looking back. But how is all of that designed to work in you, in, you, in your thinking, in your life? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Again, just jumping in to use a verse here. He says, For which cause we faint not, but though our, what? Outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Paul is talking about the two components that make you up. There's two big broad categories, outward man and inward man. Come over with me uh, back to Proverbs chapter 4. A very interesting verse back here. Proverbs chapter 4. 
and verse 23. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues of life come from where? From your heart. Now that's going to be important here in a, in, in a minute. Because, in, because your heart is in your inner man. It's, the component is a piece of who you are, but it sits inside of you. By the way, your heart, Jeremiah says, is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We'll see in a minute. The only one that can know your heart, you can't know your heart. You think you know it. You don't know it. The only one that knows it is the Word of God. Hebrews 4, verse 12. We'll get there in just a second. So when you think about, uh, come with me to Genesis 2. When you think about your makeup, how you're made up, how God, when God created man, how he creates you. Because he created you to communicate with you. He created you to have a relationship with you. He created you so that he can come over here and commune with you, with man. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. He takes dirt and he did what? He formed man. He makes the body. He takes the dirt. What happens when you get the dirt and you get a little water in it? It makes mud, but you can form that, can't you? He takes that dirt, spits in it, rubs it in there, and he starts forming man. Two legs, two arms, one head, two ears, one mouth, by the way. Listen more than you speak. You ought to be good. <laughs> two eyes. He begins to form man. But what does he do? And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He put in man his spir a spirit, the life, the breath of life. Here's the spirit. And, notice by the way, it says and. It doesn't say then. It says and. It doesn't say also. It says and man became a living soul. So you have three parts of, that make up humanity. By the way, the Godhead, how many pe persons are in the Godhead? Three. He says, let's make man in what? Our image. Our, a three-parted being. And, and that, come, come back with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in that being, he says, you know what? We got a body. He formed it. He gave us a spirit. We'll talk about each one of these in a minute. And then he gave us a soul. He made you a living soul. By the way, a couple months ago, we were studying about what Satan missed in the creation. And what part of this did he miss? He missed the soul part, the inner man part. He saw God form man and make him. He saw God breathe into him and that being come alive, but he missed the soul. He missed the you. And, I'll be, and the real you, we all sit here. I look around the room. You guys are looking good. I'll just give you that, okay? Except maybe the eagles. I don't know about that one yet. But you're looking good, okay? But that's the outward appearance. But what's inside of you? Who, the speak, the thinking, the doing, the movement, that's you. The real you is your, is your soul and your spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul br brings this out here. And he says, hey, 
verse 23, and the very God of peace. Think about that. The God of peace. Romans 15, he says, there's joy and peace in believing. Here's the God of peace. What's the God of peace? What's Paul's prayer for you and I? Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians here, that the God, very God of peace sanctify you. Sanctify, holy, that word holy. Sanctification, set apart for what he created you for. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, the whole of you, not holy as in H-O. That sits in the word sanctify. There's holy. But the whole of you, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body. There's the three components. So your, your, your makeup, you're, you're to have peace in the inner attitudes of the heart, the completeness of it, the whole of it, the whole person. The inward man makes up the soul and the spirit. The outer man is the body. And we have that components. Come over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. So let's think about this. Here you are. Okay? There you go. And because it's Rick now and skinny, we'll make a skinny Rick. Okay? Used to be fat. Now we go skinny. All right? Actually, I probably should erase that and make him fat because you want to be fat on the inner man, all right? You want the inner man to be he healthy and wealthy and fat. But think about this. You, you got a spirit. You've got a soul. And then you've got a body. Okay? Now watch Hebrews 4 and look at verse 12. Verse we all know. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. By the way, that word quick... Everybody, oh, I'm alive. No kidding, it's alive. But what is quick? Quick is quick. Quick is fast. Exactly. See, the Word of God was never designed to take 35 years of your life to work in you. It's designed to take a millisecond. It's time to work right now. Why? Because there's joy and peace and what? Believing. When you believe the Word of God, it will effectually work in your life. 1 Thessalonians 2. When you do that, it's designed to work quickly. It's designed to be a two-edged sword in your life, piercing even to the design, dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. See how the soul and spirit are connected? They're inner man and of the joints and marrow. There's your body. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hang on a second. There we go. You see what the Word of God's going to do? The Word of God is what comes in and is what divides up you. Think about what it just did. Its design is to come in and to work quickly. It's designed to come in and to pierce Move down in, divide asunder of the souls and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow. It's going to come in and cut you into those three components that you are in. But it's a discerner of what? The thoughts and intent of the heart. Your heart. That thing that's desperately wicked. You can't know it. The Word of God comes in and says what? I know it. And here's your intention. 
That's why you can, you know, you can come to the Word of God and teach that man, man can lose their salvation. Do you know that you can come to the Word of God and teach universal reconciliation that at the end all's going to be saved and everybody's going to be hunky dory? You can do that. There's verses that you can use and twist and do. But you know what the Word of God's going to do? He's going to call you on the carpet with it and say, yeah, but what about these verses? that say that at the end there's judgment. And what about these verses? So you know what man does. We just redefine what the terms mean. And you know what the Word of God says? Nope. We have our own built-in dictionary, and you lose. But you got to know what? The Word. What's it doing? It's dividing. It's, the, it's a discerner of the intents. And the only way to understand what's going on is to have the Word of God. That's why human viewpoint can't fix the problems of the world. Only the Word of God can fix the problems in the world. And you know what the Word of God said? I died for you. I was buried and I rose again the third day. You trust me, you'll have eternal life. And then I'm going to give you my life to go and live in time. And you're going to do it for my glory, but also for your glory. Paul was showing me the verse in Colossians 1 there, uh, in Christ Jesus, the, uh, the hope of Christ in you. The hope of who? The hope of Christ where? In you. And that's the case. Come over with me to 1 Corinthians 2. So understanding how you're made up and how you work is critical, I think. 1 Corinthians 2. Understanding the mechanics. So if a problem pops up, and an issue comes up here in 2022, how do we fix it? How do we work through this? How do we, we have a game plan? I tell you what, I hope you have a game plan for when the car breaks down. It's called mechanic. We just heard it just a minute ago, right? Actually, it's called Google. Boom, boom, boom. What's going on? It's called for. You've got a plan. What do you do? Well, if you don't have a plan and the car breaks down, now what are you doing? Now you're behind, the, you're behind a little bit, but if you got a plan, you, you, know, you call AAA, they come get it, they take it over here to this guy, he fixes it, we pay the bill, everything's good. But what happens if you can't pay the bill? Nah, we're not good. Now we got other issues, now we're going to have to work out with this guy. And do, and, but what do you got? You, things, I, I use a car because it's a simple illustration, but that's the thing. you got to have a plan. What do we do? So the more you understand about yourself, the better you are able to deal with yourself, okay? And the, the more, when, especially when things come up, because, folks, again, against it or for it, COVID is here to stay. It just is. I read an article sent to me by one of the brothers that right now under the culture, climate control, and the climate uh, debate, they are investigating because they have control over you now due to COVID. They're investigating whether or not they're going to take your house from you if you're only a family of one or two. In other words, your mom and dad, you raise three kids, they go out on their own. I'm living in a house, a four-bedroom, two-bed That's too big for you. You shouldn't be in that house, so we're going to take it from you, and we're going to put you in a house. We, we think because you're hurting the climate, you're not helping it. See, you think that's crazy, but that's going to come up. Why? 
because that's human nature. It isn't a liberal conservative thing. It's human nature. It's what lost men do. It's human viewpoint. The worst thing you could ever say is that's a liberal idea, but it's also a conservative idea. It doesn't matter which, again, yay or nay, it's what? It's lost people doing what lost people do. And if you understand how the, folks, you were once a lost person. Why in the world would you be surprised that the lost do what the lost do? You shouldn't be. So when you come into this, if you understand how, you're, how God made you to work, then you can quickly come over here and, one, help yourself, but then also then be able to deal with others and help them. 1 Corinthians 2 is a, it's a great passage here. Paul comes in and, and he's, verse 1, and I, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is not a compliment. Everybody says, oh, that's Paul complimenting. No, that is not a compliment. And how you know it is keep reading. What does he say? And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Where was their faith standing? In the wisdom of men. Paul says, I came in, gave you the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. I came in and gave you the, the Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and I'm hoping to move you forward in your maturity. Verse 6, howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are what? Perfect, mature. He can't do that. Chapter 3, verse 1, they're carnal, they're babes, they're, they're, they're babes in Christ. He can't move them forward yet. We, okay? He says, I want to. I want to speak wisdom to you, but I can't because we only deal, we, we, there's a maturity issue. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's why the mystery is the mystery. Calvary was not a mystery. The meaning of Calvary is the mystery. The hidden wisdom of God. Now, verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of who? Here's man's wisdom. Man's wisdom has figured out a device and the three components, by the way. You see the eye gate, the ear gate, and the heart gate? What do we have? We have your spirit, your soul, and your body. There they are, the three, the gateways in to know. But you know what the Word of God says? Man can't know God based on man's viewpoint, human viewpoint. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. You want to know the deep things of God? You want to know and understand the Bible? You better have the Holy Spirit. Actually, you can't understand it without the Holy Spirit. Well, you can't say that, Rick. You offend people. Baloney, I've talked to unsaved people. I've showed an, uh, I showed an unsaved man who believes in the issue of reincarnation. We've had, debate, had debates and debates and all back and forth with him. He wouldn't budge. He thought women ought to be bare, barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen and stay where they belong, and yet he followed a book written by a woman. Now, you figure that out. 
So I sit there, we go down through, and 9-11 happened, and he, was the, he met me when I clocked in at AJ's up at Via Linda, and he says, Rick, I want to know, is God doing 9-11? And I said, well, no, but let me get clocked in, and we'll talk about it. We'll do this on Eddie's time, okay? Because we got work to do. So over that evening, I showed him the issues of right division. He's lost on his way to hell, and you know what he understood clearly, plainly, gave it back to me? The issues of right division. He understood that God worked in time past a certain way, and he's working today a certain way, and he's going to work in the future in the, in the same way. But you know what? He didn't understand the spiritual impact of what, he was, what I was showing him because he was not saved. He did not have the spirit of God. You know, I, you know why he understood right division? He told me. He goes, you know, I asked him, I said, how did you get that? He goes, past, present, and future. Everybody knows that, don't they? He got it down, but he was missing something because what did he not have? Actually, who did he not have? The Holy Spirit. Now watch verse 11. Here's why this is important. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the, what? The spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So what did God put in man? He put a spirit. He put a soul, and he gave us a body, a vehicle. But the spirit, how can you understand what I'm saying, and how do I understand what you're saying? We got the spirit of man. We got humanity here. When you go talk to your dog, by the way, your dog doesn't talk back to you. I, I, you see the TikToks and the YouTubes and all that stuff. It's just okay, it's a dog. Come on. All right? You know, you see the cartoon where you got the, the scientist is walking around with the, with the hat on, and he's got a bunch of dogs around him, and they're all saying hi. Hello, 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 hello. And the caption is, is Dr. Whatever his name was, figured out how to talk to animals, and they're all just saying hi to each other, barking. You know, it's like, what? You know, but what, it's an animal. Why can't you speak to the animal? Because you don't have the spirit of the animal. But does that animal have a spirit about him? Yes, he does. See, the difference between you and I is this guy, you and I, and the animal world is that thing right there. Is that soul. Because that's you. That's what Christ died for, who Christ died for on the cross. The spirit of man. You've got it. We've got to give this guy some ears. Okay? you got a spirit. John. Uh, J Job 14. Sorry. Job 14. Or Job, as the guys on Monday night call him. Job 14. Look at Job 14. Job 14, verse 22. Job, Job here. Job uh, 14, 1, man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Isn't that the case? Verse 22, but his flesh upon him shall have what? Pain. There's your body. What's going to happen to your body? Some of you are living it today. You're in pain. And his soul within him shall what? Mourn. You see that soul? Where's your soul? It's inside of you. In your man, inner man, inner man, outer man. What's happening? Think, here's your makeup. But the spirit, come over to John 4. 
1 Corinthians 2 there, we need the Spirit, don't we? John 4, John 4, verse 24. John 4, 24. God is a Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So, you've got a body. You're not just flesh. That's the point here. You've got your body... There is your vehicle, move you about. How do you interact with this world is your body. By the way, how you interact in the heavenly places requires you to have a new body. The new body isn't so you don't hurt anymore. It's just not. The new body is so you can go do the job that we're to do in the heavenly places, and we can function there. Your soul that's inside your body, that's you. Okay? But then you have this spirit. And the spirit is where you're going to communicate with one another, but it's also where you communicate with God. Come over to Romans 1. The spiritual connection is made not in your flesh, not raising arms, not swaying, not holy hands lifted up, the verses they use and, and abuse, not running the aisles, not jumping pews, not kissing and hugging and loving and doing, none of, that's not worship. Where are you going to worship God? In spirit and in truth. And that John 4 verse helps you understand what real worship is. Look at Romans 1. Look at verse 8. Romans 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. That without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayer. Notice how Paul says, I serve God where? In my spirit. You see, the connection between God and you is in the spirit realm. That's where the connection is. Not down here where you get the tingle run up and down your spinal cord and you get the goosebumps. It's amazing. You lose 55 pounds and how cold you get at night nowadays. It's like, oh, man, it's cold. And Linda's like, it's hot. I'm like, it's cold. She goes, put a shirt on. I go, okay. You know, long sleeve, you know. Like, all right. It's not in your... This, it's, where, it's internal. It's in who you are. Come over to Mark chapter 8. Just look at this. Think about this. Mark 8. Mark 8, verse 36. Mark 8. And again, I'm just jumping in, but I want you to get the concepts from the verses. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and what? Lose his own soul. So your spirit communicates with God your soul, that's you. That's your personal identity. It's who, it's the real you. Now, your body, come over to Matthew 16. Your, you know your body you can share with a lot of people? If you're married, you share your body with your spouse. If you're a mom, you've shared your body with your children. You can share your body with a lot of different people. Matthew 16, verse 25. For whosoever shall 
whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall, will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is, it profit, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, there's a, there's a thing here going on about your soul spiritually. You spiritually, in your spirit, you communicate with God and with people. And in your soul, that's when you get where you get in touch with yourself. You've all heard the song, the devil goes down to Georgia and the fiddle guy and he sells his soul to the devil. That's you. That's, that's where your thinking is. That's where your attitudes are and your body. That's how you relate to the environment around you. Now, get two passages quickly. 1 Thessalonians 5. I look at the clock, and I know that I need to hurry it up here so we get through this. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In verse 23. Notice how the Word of God lays you out. Okay? Because this is important. 523. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy, and I pray God your, your whole what? Spirit and soul and body. Okay? So the Word of God says, we're going to put it up here. God's Word. Then we're going to put human viewpoint. God's Word. You read it. It goes in. Its design is to go in here, to here, out through there. That's God's Word. See the order? Spirit, soul, and body. Now look at James 3. James 3. Human viewpoint. We'll make it a different color. Human viewpoint. Life begins in the spirit, works out through you into your soul, then out into activities of your body. James 3, verse 15. James 3.15, this wisdom descendeth not from above, so it's not from God, but is earth, earthly, sensual, devilish. For where, where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above, is first pure, and then peaceable, gentle, and so on. Do you see the contrast between wisdom above and wisdom of the earth that's not? So we have wisdom of God. The wisdom of God says, we're going to work in your spirit, into your soul, and then out and through your body. But what does the wisdom of the adversary say? What does human wisdom say? We're going to go here first. That's the earthy. Then we're going to go here. Then we're going to go there. Do you see how the world and human viewpoint has it backwards? That's why you will naturally say body, soul, and spirit. You ever wonder why you ever just said body? No, biblically you should be saying what? Spirit, soul, and body. Devil says, earth says, human viewpoint says body, soul, and spirit. Why? Because we're going to work here. By the way, what does he say? Earthly and then sensual? That's... We're going to work in the realm of the emotion rather than the, than the other realms. Now, we'll go back over here because now we've got to build this guy out. You see, what's happening is, is you 
can catch yourself thinking a certain way. Because if you're thinking about it from an earthly point, devilish point, your emotions then are in control of what you're doing. And you know what you can do? Stop. Let's back this baby up and let's go from the biblical viewpoint, which is let's have the spirit work into my inner man and then out. You follow that? See, you can identify real quickly how you're functioning because this is about you. This isn't about me. So let's look at it quickly here. Come back there to, uh, well, you know what? Go to Ephesians 4. Let's just skip that second, 1 Corinthians 2 because we've hammered that home. 1 Corinthians 2. I'm sorry, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 23. Because there's some components to you here that you need to catch so that you understand how this is designed to work. Satan works the opposite manner. So if you catch yourself working from the blue line, the back line, that is blue, isn't it? Okay, thank you. I'm colorblind, so it just, it's just a different color to me. If you catch yourself working this way, you can say, wait a minute, I'm working in the wrong, I'm working in out of human viewpoint. I need to adjust and come over here and work out of God's way and come this way. Look at Ephesians 4.23. What does he say? And be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. There's the component, your mind. Your mind sits, is, 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 it, it's where man knows. That's that past, 1 Corinthians 2.11. How does a man know? It's in his mind. And in your spirit sits your mind. You're in Ephesians, right? Look over at Philippians 4. I, let's just do this real quick. Sorry. Philippians 4. And look at verse 7. Just, it's not on your handout. Just get this stuff here and then we can maybe move on. Here's your, yeah, maybe. Here's your, look at Ephesians 4, 7. The answer to your prayers in verse 6, verse 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your, notice, see that, hearts and minds? Those are two different things. Your heart sits down here in your soul. With the heart, man, what? believes under righteousness. Your mind, your thinking, is up here. Not, not, I'm not talking about your brain, but it's where you think. Your mind. Come over to Romans 10. Romans, well, I just quoted you the verse. It's Romans 10, 10, sorry. Romans 10, verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Ephesians 3.16, we started there. The Spirit strengthens what? The inner man, that the Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So your mind, your thinking sits up here. Your heart is there. But you know your heart thinks as well. Now, the heart, we're not talking about the muscle, the pump. We're talking about you. So there's a thinking in your heart. By the way, your body is called a body of flesh. The vehicle. It's what moves you around. It's also called the body of sin. It's your connection to the elements around us. That's why in James there it talks about it being earthy. That's where you are. It's where you have the capacity to interact 
with each other, to see each other. Glad you all got dressed this morning. Looks good. Why? Because that's your body. How did you get here? You woke up. How did that happen? You got systems in your body working, breathing. You don't even think about breathing. Why? Because you got systems working in you. You got systems that's your body, your physical makeup to move you. Your, so you've got some things going on here. You've got your heart. I'm talking about you. There's your will. There's your, I, actually, there's your conscience. There's your emotions. That's you, you're, who you are, your soul. That sits in your soul. These are filing cabinets within your inner man. Your inner man is made up of your spirit and your soul. There, there's these filing cabinets that are there. Your emotions are a part of who you are. So you have this connection. The connection between the spirit and the soul is the mind and the heart. That's where they connect. That's where the, the mentality, the thinking comes in. And the connection between the soul and the body is in these emotions. That's how you connect with your body. Think about this e-motion. Go to work. Move. Motion. Are you guys following me? Because if not, we'll pray and go home. Okay, thank you. See, you've got things going on here with you. And when you understand how the emotions work and operate, then you'll understand how you can keep your body under subjection and keep it under control because your body... Satan says, the course of the world says, human viewpoint says, you start from here because if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. And only do what makes you feel good. And in reality, God's word and the proper thinking process says you need to go do that whether you like it or not. You need to go do what's right. And that's what begins to happen here. So what happens is, is, Here's the key to how you work. You're made up of a spirit. Okay, you can't even see it. A soul and a body. And these components sit here. Now, in your spirit, let's do this over here because it's a mess. Okay? Think, let's think about this for just a moment. In your spirit, your spirit... First of all, it has a mind. There's thinking involved. Okay? There's memories that come up. Have you ever sat and just, hey, you get the Facebook notification, you have memories. I go, I do? I, don't, I didn't want to remember that. Forget, forget, delete, delete, you know? No, you have memories. That's a function of your spirit, of, 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 of your thinking. You have vocabulary that comes in there and use. How do you know what to say and how to do? It comes, it's part of your spirit. Therefore, your spirit develops words, doesn't it? Now let's diagram out the soul. That's you. That's this stuff here, a heart, the will, the conscience, and the emotions. Think about your conscience. 
Paul talks about your conscience. He talks about a good conscience. A good conscience is a conscience where truth is what's used. Look at Romans, Romans uh, 2. Watch what the conscience does. Here's what your conscience does. Your conscience is, what's, is that little voice you hear in your head. Okay? That's your conscience. Your subconscious. Your sub-sub-sub-sub-subconscious. It's your conscience in Scripture. Look at 2.15, Romans 2.15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, that's the Gentiles, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile, what? Accusing or else excusing one another. What does your conscience do? It's accusing you or it's excusing you. It's bearing witness. So a good conscience is a conscience that comes along that's got the truth of God's word built up into our heart, into, our, into you, into our will. And it says, the conscience looks over there and says, that activity is matching God's word. Good job. Okay? It's accusing you or excusing you. It's bearing witness to your activity. Then Paul call, says they have a defiled conscience. Well, what would defiled indicate? They got bad doctrine. They got bad truth. Then he talks about a weak conscience. Well, what would weak be? Not enough information. And they're trying to do it. So your conscience comes along, and what it does is it looks at the emotions and the activities, and he says, you're doing what your will said to do. Your will responds to your heart who's responding to what your, your, your spirit's saying and thinking. Now think about your emotions. You've got anger, don't you? You've got fear. Usually fear is just anger in disguise. You've got sadness. You've got disgust. You've got joy. You've got trust. You've got surprise. You've got anticipation. All of those emotions are good emotions. Paul says it to the Ephesians. He says, be ye angry and sin not. The sin isn't being angry. The sin is allowing anger to run the equation. And letting anger be what's driving the rest of you. By the way, your body, again, that's your vehicle, your flesh. That's where all of the activity is then carried out. As an old man, as a lost man, I'm just going to say this. We're going to look at this next time. Your spirit's dead. You have no communication with God. Ephesians 2.1. You were dead in trespasses and sins. When you get saved, what does he do? He quickens that dead spirit. Now you have communications with God. Okay? Your soul, as a dead man, is lost. It's dark. It's darkened. Ephesians 4. 
But man, when you get saved, the light of the glorious gospel shines in and you're awakened. Your body, as a lost man, is depraved. But as a saved man, it's liberated. Colossians 2. The circumcision made without hands liberates that body. So you got the whole of it here. Okay? So how does this work? What's the formula? You take God's word, you put it into your spirit, into your thinking. It works down into your soul. There's the real you. The word of God goes into your, your, your soul. Your heart, for the man with the heart man believes unto righteousness, your heart picks it up. Your heart tells your will, we're going to obey it. We're going to do what that verse says. When that verse says, let him that stole steal no more, then you know what? I'm going to become an unemployed thief because the word of God said so. When the word of God says, be honest with all men, then what am I going to do? I'm going to be honest with all men. Why? It's what the word of God said. It's in my thinking. It's in my heart, my will. The will then reaches down into the emotion and says, let's go to the body and let's do the activity. You with me? That's how it's working. That's how it works. The conscience, part of you, look, evaluates that to make sure it's matching that. Your conscience looks at it. You, your heart, your will said, I'm going to provide all things honest with all men. I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm going to tell the truth, no matter the consequences. Worst thing you can be is a liar. It don't matter what else you do. Worst thing you do... All right, so why? Because God's word tells me to do that. So then what happens? Circumstances in life come up, and you tell a lie. And you know what your conscience says? Liar, liar, pants on fire. You decided you weren't going to do that. It's not matching. So he starts to accuse you. And you know what your body does? You know what your flesh does? You know what your old man says? Knock it off. It was just a white lie. Just one, little one. Now, I'm just using that as an illustration, okay? But what does your conscience do? Your conscience looks at the activity and says it doesn't match what your heart said and what your will determined to do. So when you, your emotions get going, because, boy, don't they flow sometimes. If I bring up President Trump in 2022, 2020 election, and blah, 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 you know, the emotions go boom. And you know what? As a believer, it should never be that way. Because as a believer, what does the Word of God say? You know, look, look, look at this. I, I just, you know, you just got to love Scripture. Look at 2 Timothy in chapter 2. I, I tell you what, folks, I, I watch stuff. I get upset. I get excited. I got emotions. I'm as human as you are. I get ramped up. But, man, you know, at the end of the day, what does the Word of God say? Look at 2 Timothy 2. Verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Let's do that. Thou therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
What are we? We're soldiers of Jesus Christ, right? Now, look at the next verse. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life. <gasps> Ooh. I can look over here and I can say, you know what? I've had every vaccination. I've had every booster. And I'll get them when they come out. And some of you will split a gut. Mad at me. What does that verse tell you as a good soldier of Jesus Christ not to do? Care. But you know what? You do. Because it's my God-given right as an American. <laughs> you are an ambassador for Christ, folks. Now, I'm not for it or against it. You make your decision. You Romans 14 and make your decision. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is, you know what you do? You get entangled with this life. So you know what the, the order of your inner man works? We hear human viewpoint. And it goes right there. And it bypasses the proper manner of operation. And you're working on nothing but emotion. And you're in the swings of this and of that. And you know what? You, then you know what you can't have as an honest conversation about anything. Because what you got driving you is emotion. Rather than having those. Look, man, just. I read verse 4. They don't entangle themselves with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Folks, your job as an ambassador isn't for yourself. It's for who? For him. What's 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 say? He died for everybody. Everybody's died, dead. That we that live may what? Live for him. That's taking God's word in and functioning it out properly. And what happens is, and again, I just use the politic thing because everybody's talking about it. You can use what color car you drive. When I was looking for my truck, I didn't want white and I didn't want black. So I got real dark gray, really close. <laughs> you know? Hey, oh, wow, you prejudice against white and black. No, I just, I've had those colors all my days and I was like a different color. I just took a, you know, Toyota's got a voodoo blue. Boy, that thing's sharp. And I, I'm, the license plate, voodoo, was going to be on it. I was already there, man. I just couldn't find one. But anyway, see, you can do this with anything. We don't go and shop at Target because they have this, blah, 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 blah. We don't go to Starbucks because they, you know what, blow it out your ear. What does it matter? It doesn't, but it, what it does is it takes you and it, it, it removes you from the battlefield of spiritual issues. I told myself, don't get on the topic. What does he do? Takes you there to there. Bypass the proper order. What's the word of God say? That's what we're going to go do. How does it work? How do you work? Now, next week we'll talk about some more of this, a little, a little less, you know, controversial. But the thing is, folks, is you and I, this room right here, I know it. I hear you. You get so ramped up. You know, what would it matter if I got all three vaccines? Honest to God, what does it matter to you? But if I said I did, some of you wouldn't be back. Some of you would never come back. He's just a sheep. He's just... And I sit there and I go, 
of all the people who under, should understand not to war after the affairs of this life, it ought to be us. And yet, here we are. We have folks on the Internet. Probably tuned out now. That's okay. See, folks, how does this work? How are you designed to work? You're designed to bring in God's word into your spirit, into your mind, into your thinking. By the way, you read three chapters a day, your vocabulary changes. The words you use change. It then impacts your heart, your will, and your thinking, how you make decisions, which then your will your heart is what controls your emotions. It never says, never said, I've never said don't have emotion. But have your emotions under the control of your will. Because your will is under the control of what your mind and your heart is thinking. And have that be under the control of God's word rightly divided. And when you have that process, no matter what comes up, you're going to be on solid ground. And you won't be tossed to and fro by every wind of the emotion. Even though the, I know the verse says doctrine. You're going to be stable. Because as we move through 2022, you think I'm kidding around about some of this stuff. It's going to come hard and heavy. You look at New York, you look at L.A., you look at the East Coast, the West Coast, and you laugh at those people and you say, oh, it'll never be. It'll be here before you know it. And how you respond to it is between you and God. What I'm trying to give you is a way to think through some of it. You think, oh, they'll never require that here to go into a grocery store to get food. It's coming how do you know that? Look at the world history. Look at the history of the world. Look at what unsaved men do. How, well, then, how do we respond? Well, you respond the way you've chosen to respond based on the Word of God and the instructions of it. We had a men. Ah, it's time to quit. Aren't you glad? Whew, he's done. Folks, we, many, you, you guys remember when Congress redefined marriage? And there was a great push amongst the Christian churches to raise up and, and don't, you know, succumb. And I had a guy email me one time, and he was a big marketer guy pushing, and he was part of one of the research groups that I follow, and he was emailing everybody on the list personally. I mean, this was personal. It wasn't letterhead. wasn't a, you know... And he was like, what are you church going to do if the government comes in and says you got to have a woman pastor and you got to let the same sex and all this stuff? And I said, nothing. Well, they're going to shut you down. I said, so they shut us down. We just move out here and meet in the park. We just go over here and do something else. Well, what are you going to rise up? And I go, you can rise up. That's fine. But I'll have a conversation with my congregation, and we'll decide what we do. If the government came in and said, you're going to lose your you know, tax-exempt whatever, whoop-de-doo. So we change. We do stuff a little different. You ought not be given to get the tax break anyway. By the way, that's gone. You don't even get the break anymore. Your standardized deduction is so high, you forget about that. That's the great push right now. The largest entity that's untaxed in America is nonprofit religious centers. Not nonprofit, but religious centers. That's us. 
it's not going to be that way too much longer. See, it's coming. So then how do we respond? Well, let's take the word of God, God's word in and let's build it and let's act right. And let's function properly. You take anything and you can apply it to the formula. God's word. I tried to do this. God's word into your spirit, into your soul will work out in your body. I know that's not mathematically correct, but that's the idea, okay? Now, next week we'll talk about some more of the mechanics and kind of work down through some things, okay? Just catch how you, God created you this way, folks. You know what he created you to be? An independent, not man or woman, but an independent creature that was able, based on the right information, to make a choice. And based on that choice, choose to go worship the creator more than the creature. He says, here, it's your choice. And he steps back and he says, you got it. Let me see. I'd love to see how you're going to do it. And he sits back and he says, oh, okay, good. Right, well, you got there. Okay. And he enjoys that. He didn't make robots. He made creatures that willingly choose to worship him. So how do I do that? I take in his word, I put it into my thinking, I get it into my vocabulary. How many times do you catch yourself saying a four time? It's all over Paul's epistles. You read it quite a bit. Or not the these and the thous, okay, I got that. But you, you sit there and according to, how many times do you say according to? I say it a lot. I caught myself. I've been trying to keep track. I, I say according to quite a bit. Why? It's all over Paul's epistles. Anyway, I digress. It's time to go eat lunch. Actually, it's time for the board meeting. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And I thank you for the folks to come, to sit, to be patient, to listen, to learn, and that desire to, to know you and to know you more and more and more so that we can be conformable to your life and to your death and to your resurrection and to the power that's in that. And as we go in the week, Lord, and as we go day by day and we think about the things that are about us and we make decisions, that we would do so from, from the light of your word on the subject. Even when, you're so, even when making that decision, there really isn't a verse that says, but rather what would be well-pleasing to you? And allow that to dictate our doings, our minds and our thinkings. And allow that to control our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.